I'm going to ask you, if you would, please, to turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 6. Uh, compassion is our theme, and uh, I got a little nervous Sunday morning when Dr. Stedman asked us to turn to Mark chapter 6. Did I say Mark or Matthew? Mark chapter 6. Please turn to Mark chapter 6. And, uh, but this is a great passage, and I, I don't think uh, I'll be treading too much on his toes as we uh, look at this passage again. And uh, in the time that we have, I do appreciate uh, this privilege and opportunity to share. Mark chapter 6, I'm going to start in verse 30. And if we could, please stand together with me. Mark chapter 6, out of respect for God's word. Um, I may say a few things here um, and stumble over myself a little bit and stumble over my words. But what we're about to read is God's word. And so out of respect, let's stand as we read these verses together. The apostle gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and outwent them and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep having no shepherd or having a shepherd, not having a shepherd, excuse me. And he began to teach them many things. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that as we've had the privilege to honor faithful servants this evening, to rejoice in what you are doing around the world as we took a little trip to Thailand this evening. And Father, we are humbled, and yet we rejoice. We worship you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We thank you for the privilege of knowing you by faith in Jesus Christ, your Son. We pray that, God, as we are challenged with this important topic this evening, that Jesus Christ will be high and lifted up and our hearts will be humbled and yielded to you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. This passage tells us that Jesus was moved with compassion toward the people. Moved with compassion. What is compassion? Well, literally, this word compassion means a strong gut feeling. Emotional feeling, uh, a feeling from the bowels, we might say. Um, but I believe it's more than just a feeling. As we look at the text and we see that Jesus was moved with compassion, it caused and motivated him to do something. What was that? That was to relieve the suffering of those to whom he saw that day. So I would define compassion as a deep feeling that motivates people to relieve the suffering of others. Let me say that again. Compassion is a deep feeling that motivates people to relieve the suffering of others, whether it be physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, etc. There's a synonym, a similar word, that is often compared or used at the same time with compassion, and that is the word pity, which also is defined as a feeling of sorrow caused by the suffering of others. A feeling of sorrow for others who are going through suffering. 
but it's kind of, in my mind anyway, lacking that motivational emphasis to make a difference, as we heard last night. We, we read in June, uh, Jude, verse 22, that some have compassion, what? Making a difference. Compassion makes a difference. All of us have been in services like tonight, and we see the presentation, and we, we kind of took that trip this evening to Thailand, and, and if you have any emotion in your being, any heart, as we would say today, you're going to have pity on those who are suffering and those who have need. But compassion goes further than that. Compassion moves us to make a difference. And so this evening, I just want to quickly, in the time I have left, go through this text and look at biblical compassion. Biblical compassion. It begins here in verses 30 through 32. And I would like to say, number one, compassion begins with Jesus. Look at these verses. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus. And they told all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. And there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. Compassion begins with Jesus. This text tells us that the disciples gathered with Jesus, they talked with Jesus, they listened to Jesus, verse 31, they rested with Jesus, or he told them to rest with him. And then in verse 32, they spent private time with Jesus. Now we know it didn't last very long, or however long they were taking that uh, a brief journey, but they spent private time with Jesus. Compassion is kind of like doing a, a study on the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, sometimes you want to do a f- study on the fruit of the Spirit and you want to break down all the, all the words and all the fruit and, and examine those fruit. But really, they're lumped together intentionally in that text in Galatians because they're fruit of the Spirit. And the point of the passage is, if you're walking in the Spirit, if you're filled with the Spirit, these are the fruit. You're not supposed to examine the fruit and try to love more and try to have more peace and try to... That's not going to work. That's impossible because the fruit comes from the Spirit. And compassion is absolutely impossible if you don't start with Jesus. This is as basic and as fundamental and as primary as we can get. We must spend time with Jesus. We must talk with Jesus. We must listen to Jesus through His Word. We must spend private time with Jesus if we even want to think about the idea of being moved with compassion. How is your private time and your walk with the Lord this evening? How is your time in the Word? How is your time in prayer with the Lord Jesus? We think of those that God has used mightily or great missionaries or missionary texts. And and I think of Isaiah who said, Here am I, Lord, send me. Where did that begin? It began in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. And in that vision, when Isaiah got a hold of the presence and the glory of the King of Kings and the Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty... He was moved 
with compassion. Lord, here am I. Send me. When we think of Moses, uh, we think of him as a great leader. We think of all of these great things about Moses, but when we kind of pick up the life of Moses' ministry, we find him on the backside of a desert leading the sheep. And then he sees this burning bush, and he gets curious, and he goes there, and the King of kings and the Lord of lords begins to speak with him, and he takes his shoes off, his sandals off, and he gets down on the ground because he's standing on holy ground. And after spending time with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he was able to go forward and make a difference because of his time with God. And of course, the missionary Paul, this man that we were reminded last night, could pray in a clear conscience, not bragging, but even by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, could say honestly, I wish myself accursed for the salvation of my brothers, my people. Where does that kind of compassion come from? It comes from a man who met Jesus on the road to Damascus. It comes from the heart of a man who said, you know what, I count everything but dung for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. That's where it starts. It starts with Jesus. Compassion begins with a right relationship with Jesus. If you're here this evening and you're struggling with having compassion for your neighbor or your coworker, missionary, if, if you've come back on furlough and, and you're finding yourself at, at times struggling to have compassion on those people that God has called you to, go back to the basics and spend time with Jesus. Amen. Fall in love with Jesus again. Get in His Word. Talk with Jesus and listen to Jesus through His Word and spend that private time with Jesus. Compassion begins with Jesus. Secondly, compassion cannot be contained. The Bible says here, as it describes Jesus and that trip and so forth, it says in verse 34 when they uh, arrived at their destination, and Jesus went, excuse me, and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion. Jesus didn't just keep it inside among himself and the apostles. Jesus came out. And we need to come out with compassion. We need to come out of these walls of this beautiful church building, and we need to go out as an army with compassion. Compassion cannot be contained. Compassion comes out, number two. It comes out of our comfort zone. We have to come out of our comfort zone. We must go beyond our comfort zone with compassion. I remember when I was on deputation, we were in a church in North Carolina, and, and after the service one evening we had, we had shared, and this man came up. I, I will not forget his name. It was a very unique name, and he came up and he said, Brother Ben, I, I, I just appreciate and, and respect you missionaries so much. And, and I was about to tell him, you know, we're, we're on deputation. We're not really missionaries yet. But he, he just kept going on and on how much he respected and appreciated missionaries. And, and then finally he said, and you know what? I could never be a missionary. And I was about to say, you can do whatever God wants you to do by his grace. But again, he didn't give me a chance. He said, and here's the reason why. I have to have a hot shower every day. 
And I know that you missionaries over there, sometimes you don't have running water and you don't have hot water. And so, and, and I'm just going to tell you, I could never be a missionary. You know what? That stood out to me. Not only because the man had a very unique name, but nobody had ever told me that before. I, I'd heard a lot of things. You know, I would never be a missionary because I don't want to learn a new language. Right? I could never be a missionary because I don't want to do deputation and, and a lot of things that I've heard. But, but this comfort zone was a new one to me. And I didn't forget this guy, and we went to the mission field, and we came back on furlough. And our first furlough, we were in that same church in North Carolina, and this guy comes up to me, and uh, he comes to introduce himself. And I'm already smiling because, again, the guy had a unique name, and, and that, was, that was the most unique excuse I had ever heard in my life. And so a uh, brother with a unique name comes up to me, and, and he says, Brother Ben, God's really been working in our hearts in this mission. You probably don't remember me. And I said, oh, actually, I do. And I said his name, and, and, and he says... He said to me, he said, God's been doing a work in our heart, and, and my wife and I have been talking, and, and we believe that if you would consider, we, we would like to come and, and visit Cameroon and, and, and come and see what, what God's doing over there in Cameroon. Person. And I was kind of taken aback. I'm thinking, you know, our water here is only this big, and, and uh, you know, and, and, and if the electricity goes, I said, brother, we're going to do our best. Even if we have to heat the fire, uh, you know, heat the water on the fire, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're, we'd love to have you. And so this man drew out of his retirement fund so that he and his wife and his five children could come and minister with us in Cameroon for a week. As I went down to the airport, my wife uh, called me. She said, Ben, as soon as you left the house, the power went out. (laughs) If it doesn't come back on, uh, we're not going to have any hot water when when this family gets up here. And so we started praying, and we were wondering what what was going on, and and uh, so anyway, we got down to Douala, it was just like a seven-hour drive, and we got down there and, and still no power. And so we welcomed them, and we spent the night there in Douala, and the next day driving back, I'm kind of checking with my wife, and still no power. And so we, we got there, and we welcomed the family, and, and uh, so I'm thinking, well, as soon as I hear anybody in the morning, I'll get out there, start warming some water up on the fire and so forth. And then all of a sudden, I heard brother with a unique name, um, he, he got into the bathroom, and I heard the shower turn on. I thought, oh, no, that's it. That, that water is it's freezing cold. It's going to come out of there. That water comes out of some source up in the mountains. He's going to feel that water and leave the first day in Cameroon. And I was so nervous. And the water kept running, and I kept heating some water to get it warm. And, and finally, he came out of the bathroom and a big old smile on his face. And I said, now, now brother with a unique name, uh, listen, um, I've got some warm water here for you. He goes, Brother, whoo, that was my first Navy shower. And he was so happy. He was rejoicing. You know what? That cold water did not face him at all. What, what happened? What happened? You know what? God's grace and his compassion for the opportunity to be in that place where God wanted him to be in Cameroon made all the difference in the world. You know what? We need to come out of our comfort zone. And when you've got compassion, you, you're going to come out of your comfort zone. There, there are many things that I could mention, but we need to go beyond. We need to come out and go beyond that love that we have, even for our family and friends. There were brothers on this boat. There were friends. These guys were dear friends with one another at this point. They had just come back from this great ministry of uh, outing of ministry and so forth, and yet uh, sometimes in, in order to serve the Lord with compassion, we, we have to say goodbye to our family and friends for a time and come out of our comfort zone and, and go out with compassion to those who 
We know as believers we're going to spend eternity with our families, but there are those that don't have that privilege and they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and, and we need to go out with compassion and go out of our comfort zone and go on beyond our family and friends. We need to come out where the people are. Do you see that in verse 34? And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people. Everyone in this room who has been involved in ministry, and all of us really who have been involved in anything, have you ever heard the phrase, business would be great, or ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people, right? That really goes along with all of us in this sin-cursed and sin-fallen world that we live in. And yet, every missionary here, I am sure, could testify to the reality that even though there are Demases in the ministry, even though there may be those demoniacs in the ministry, even though there may be those Alexander the coppersmiths in the ministry, and even though there may be Judases in the ministry, with compassion, we're going to just keep going forward. We're just going to keep going forward. So compassion begins with Jesus, and secondly, compassion comes out. It goes beyond our comfort zone and our family zone and some of these other zones that we enjoy being in. And it goes out in among the people. And then, of course, as we've already been reminded this week, compassion allows us to see people as Jesus sees them. Go back to verse 34 again. Compassion sees people as Jesus sees them. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them. Jesus said in another place to his disciples, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Lift up your eyes. Look at the people as Jesus sees them. Don't see people as distractions. How easy is it for us to do that? Oh, the distractions of life. People are not the distractions when our heart is overflowing with compassion. I remember, again, going back to Cameroon and getting my first car in Cameroon. It was a wonderful car. I don't remember what year it was. It was so old. They don't even, I've, never, I've seen one in the United States of America. It's an all-wheel drive Toyota uh, station wagon, Tercel. That thing was wonderful. It could go anywhere in the mud. It was just an incredible vehicle. And our kids loved getting in the backpack of that station wagon, and we would just go. But the roads in Cameroon are rough. And that is putting it very mildly. And so I got that car, and the first three months I had that car, I had 12 flat tires and punctures and blowouts, and it was unbelievable. And I'm just going to be honest, it was frustrating. And uh, then I was with one of my missionary friends, and he had a flat tire because he was driving on the roads in Cameroon, and, and uh, he had a flat tire, and the first thing out of his mouth was, praise the Lord. I'm like, What? That was not the first thing that came to my mind when I'm having flat tires. But I was rebuked. That came from a heart of compassion, a heart of somebody that had spent a little bit more time with Jesus that morning than I had, perhaps. And, and uh, it was genuine. And so I said, you know what? This, this is part of life in Cameroon, and, and I'm not going to allow it to be a distraction from now on. You know, Drew, from now on, we're, we're going to time and see if we can break the last record of changing the tire and we're going to see if we can get to Guinness Book, whatever it is. We're going we're gonna to enjoy this. 
And you know what? That helped me to lift up my eyes and realize every time I'm going to this guy to get my tire repaired, uh, John was the guy that repaired the tires, and his assistant, Jude, um, was there. It became my flat tire ministry. That's literally what I called it, my flat tire ministry. And I became very good friends with John. You know what? John, as each time I would plant in water, John came to know Jesus Christ as a Savior through the flat tire ministry. And his assistant, Jude, trusted Christ as Savior through the flat tire ministry. And you know what? It is so easy for all of us, any of us, to allow the distractions of life to distract us from what God has planned for us each and every day of our lives. And what is that? It's to lift up our eyes and look on the fields and to see the people around us as Jesus sees them. How does he see them? He sees them, according to this verse, as sheep not having a shepherd. What a a picture. Sheep without a shepherd, they have no meaning in life. They don't understand their identity. They have no hope of survival without a shepherd. What a picture that is of our world today. You begin to talk with people. I remember one day, this just came to my mind. I remember one day when my wife, uh, before we had even gotten married, and my wife was uh, just gotten off work at the mall where she worked, and she sat down next to this young lady, and, and she could see that she was having a rough day and began to talk with her. And, and one of the first things she said to her was, I don't have any hope. I don't have any hope. If she hadn't started a conversation with her and, and eventually led her to Christ and began discipling her, um, where would that have gone if she had not lifted up her eyes in that moment? You know, it's easy for us driving to work and that guy cuts us off and, and, and we want to say something about that, that guy and the way he's driving. And yet, shouldn't we really lift up our eyes and look and see them as Jesus sees them? This, this guy's going to work and when he gets done with work, he's going to go home and then he's going to go to work the next day. He's going to go home and he's going to go to work the next day and one day he's going to die. And what, what, his life has no meaning, no meaning at all. His life has no hope. That neighbor who, you know, has a nice house and a nice car and the smile on the outside, but if they don't know Jesus Christ, they have no hope. They have no meaning. We, we look at the world today and, and people struggle. They, they have no idea. They don't, feel, they don't feel comfortable this identity. They don't feel comfortable this identity. They're trying to create new identities. They're looking for something that satisfies because they have no hope. They are sheep with no shepherd. And rather than getting angry at sinners who do what they do best, and that is sin, what if we saw them as Jesus sees them? and We poured out our hearts of compassion to reach them with the gospel, to offer them hope from the Savior. Well, let's get to our last point. Time is almost finished this evening. Compassion begins with Jesus Compassion comes out, it goes beyond. Number three, compassion sees people as Jesus sees them. And number four, compassion moves us to make a difference. This is really remarkable to me, and and Brother Bud did point this out in his message on Sunday morning, but I really want to reemphasize it. Look at this passage. It says, and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, and he began 
to teach them many things. That is so contrary to what we are used to in our world today. When, when the world or the government or, or agencies or charities, when they see issues, the first thing they want to do is they want to throw money at it or a problem. They want to, they want to throw uh, help in this area or that area. And, and yet, this is so interesting. Jesus begins to teach them. Yes, the passage goes on to explain that they had a need of hunger, and Jesus went on and fed them. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But do you see that this is his first reaction in compassion? His first reaction is to teach them truth. This, this was so astounding to me that here is a need. Jesus is moved with compassion. He teaches truth to them. Many things, many things. And then after that, he gets into their physical needs and does this incredible miracle. I, I took time to go back in Mark and to see if this had ever happened before where, you know, there was the miracle and the assistance after the teaching and preaching. Because in my mind, in, in the society that I grew up in, in the Christian environment and the, church, the churches that I grew up in, we're usually taught that you need to develop relationships, you need to build bridges, you know, uh, do these things and these, show these kindnesses so that people know that you love Jesus and you know that they love them. There's nothing wrong with that. But is that the biblical order? I went back. I found 11, 12 miracles. Some of them were kind of together. 11, 12 miracles in Mark prior to this one. And in every case, I was shocked to learn that for example, in chapter 1, verse 22, he taught them, and then a few verses later, he cast out the unclean spirit. And in chapter 1, verse 27, he taught doctrine, and then a few verses later, he healed Peter's mother, and he healed many people. And in chapter 1, verse 39, he preached in the synagogue, and then he healed the leper. And that actually happens 12 times in a row, where there's preaching and teaching first, and then what we would describe as the act of compassion. And yet, that's not how Jesus sees it. Jesus does the preaching and teaching first and then supports after the gospel is proclaimed, in support of the gospel and in subordination to the gospel, these acts that we often, again, refer to as acts of compassion. Yet, without the teaching of truth, without the preaching of the gospel, is it really compassion? I mean, if compassion is relieving the suffering of others, if we go and we do, a, you know, we dig a well and we provide clean water for, for somebody out in Africa and so they die and go to hell with, without dysentery, have we really helped them and relieved their suffering? No. I'm not saying we shouldn't dig wells and help people. We are involved in water projects there in Cameroon in our own village. But the emphasis and the primary, and the first thing that Jesus did when he was moved with compassion was to teach them many things of truth. He preached the gospel of truth. And I want to challenge us in that area this evening as well. Let's, let's not focus so much on building bridges that we never cross the bridge. Let's not focus so much on the acts of compassion that we never get to the act of compassion, preaching the gospel in love to our neighbors and our co-workers and those on the mission field to whom 
God has sent us. Speaking the truth. You imagine, not too many years ago, we were in Cameroon, and I was pointing out a spot on my, on my face, um, and uh, I pointed out to Becca, I said, this thing is not healed. It's been months. It's been months. This thing has been kind of festering like this. And she said, well, you really need to get that checked. And time went by, and time went by, and I didn't get it checked. And so finally, we, we took a furlough, and we went, to the, we went to the doctor, and the doctor did not even need to take a sample. He looked at it, and he said, uh, that is cancer. We're going to have to remove that. And... Uh, um, he just told me point blank. Now, l- let me ask you something. Was that compassionate for him to mention that I had cancer and I was going to have to have surgery? I mean, he could have said something really nice. I mean, he could have said, oh, oh, that's just, you know, that's just a pimple and let it go and, you know, it- it'll be okay. It'll go away eventually. And it probably would have when I died, but uh, <laughs> that wouldn't be very compassionate, would it? And so... In our own lives, and thankfully they were able to take care of that, and, and, and because of his compassion, was able to tell me the truth, what kind of cancer it was, and that it needed to be removed, and so forth. But you know what? When we look at this world, may we see those around us as Jesus sees them. And with hearts of compassion and love, May we tell them the truth. It's not easy to tell someone they're a sinner and to describe what sin is. It's not easy to tell them that because of their sin, their consequence and the judgment and the penalty is eternity in the lake of fire. But you know what? Compassion speaks truth in love. And we can, of course, get to the the good news uh, that we enjoy, that that Jesus Christ loves us and that he paid the price. He died in our place. And that if we will repent and believe in him, he will save us. Yes, we, we need to get to that good news. Compassion teaches truth. Compassion sees and relieves the suffering after the gospel, in support of the gospel, and in subordination to the gospel. Compassion gives all. Jesus said, how much, what do you guys have? They said, five loaves and two fishes. And they gave it all. Maybe there's someone here this evening and you're holding something back. Maybe it's yourself. Brother Ben, I don't don't want to surrender in this missions conference. Surrender all. Compassion surrenders all. And compassion, last thing I want to say, compassion keeps giving. Look Look at verse 41. And when he had... Taking the five loaves and two fishes, he took up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set them before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did eat and were filled. Uh, We don't have time to to dig into this, but um, trying to feed 5,000, maybe 10,000 people, if each one of these guys had a a wife or maybe one child with them, um, I'm just kind of one of those weird people who try to figure that out. And according to my calculations, if you tried to feed 10,000 people and you are feeding them five seconds per person, which I don't know how 12 men could do that that fast, but he had them in Norm- he had them sit down and it was organized. It would still take 12 men feeding one person every five seconds. It would take more than 14 hours to feed all those people. 
And you know what I'm saying tonight? Compassion keeps giving. Compassion keeps giving. Brother Tom here this evening for the last 50 years. I guarantee you, I've talked with him. There have been tough times on the mission field. There's been dangers. There have been demises. There have been slanderers. There have been, there have been lots of things on the mission field. But you know what? Out of compassion, he just keeps giving and keeps giving. Maybe there's a missionary here this evening, and you're a bit discouraged tonight. Compassion begins with Jesus. Get back to that relationship with Jesus and just keep giving in compassion. Just keep giving. I don't know where you're at this evening. Are you making a difference by living with compassion? That's our challenge this evening. Make a difference by living and serving with compassion. Are you preaching truth every day? Or are you so stuck on building the bridges that you haven't taken the time to cross the bridge and preach the gospel of truth? Are you compassionately relieving the suffering of others in a gospel-prioritized method and means? Are you giving all? Are you holding something back this evening? Are you willing to keep giving and giving and giving in compassion? Let's all stand together, please. I'm going to close in prayer and turn it over to Pastor Cochran. Thank you for your patience this evening. Father, we do thank you for the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh God, it's so easy to see sinners around us sinning and to focus on their sin and to get angry with them and to get bitter with them and to, to get all, all riled up with what sinners do. They sin. God, give us hearts of compassion as we walk with you to make a difference in the lives of those to whom you have placed us. Help us to live and serve with compassion. We pray in Jesus' name, Pastor. It's closed. I'd like for Jessica to play just a hymn of invitation before we close the service. As the Lord has spoken to your heart, maybe you'd like to come forward and take a time of prayer. We give that opportunity for you to respond. All to Jesus I surrender. He's given everything for us, the compassion that He showed. Maybe this evening God is pressed your heart to, to see people the way he sees them in need instead of an irritant instead of a bother someone who needs Jesus I'm going to ask that she play through one more time says make me Savior holy thine let me feel thy Holy Spirit truly knowing that thou art mine you know Christ is your Savior tonight you put your trust in Christ you know your sins are forgiven you need Jesus he's the answer
All right, thank you. You can look this way. Thank you for your attention to the Word of God. I would encourage you tomorrow morning, the testimony time, if you'd like to be a part of that. Uh, and uh, also uh, remind you about the, the tables that are in the lobby. See some of the missionaries on your way out. And uh, be back tomorrow evening in preparation. We'll give a, take an offering tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this time that we've been able to gather hear the testimony of these missionaries. And uh, Lord, thank you for Brother Latham and uh, their faithfulness on the mission field for so many years. And you continue to uh, show your, your blessing upon them. Help us to be faithful and continue to, to give show compassion to those around us. Uh, Lord, would we, uh, would we be moved uh, within our soul and within our heart to see people in need? Uh, bless uh, us as we go home, and uh, Lord, if you, you, you bring us back safely tomorrow, in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. All right, God bless you. You are dismissed.